you're going to want to stay tuned because we're going to get you closer to your dreams with the perfect pitch next. This is Book Circle Online, featuring in-depth discussion, insight, news, and commentary on all the world's leading book titles and their authors. And now, Book Circle Online. <laughs> I'm British. <laughs> Saving for you. We've been waiting for you. You guys know that theme song. And we're going to tie it all together today while we're playing this song and talking about pitching. Makes sense. Hey, you guys. Hi, welcome to Bookstucker Online. I'm your host, James Law Jr. And I like to bring you great, amazing guests. And this book, Run. Don't walk. Run and get this book. It is so good. Oh, my God. Okay. You know, nowadays, pitching is everything. It's all... If you think about it, you pitch everything in your life. You want to try to get a job... The boyfriend, girlfriend, you're, you're always trying to sell yourself, right? Well, this gentleman is going to tell us some of the great ways of doing this. And we're going to talk in depth about this book that's great called The Successful Pitch. Conversations from going from invisible to investable. And I, seriously, I'm like to tell you, I read this book. It's so good. My guest today, the wonderful John Livesey. James, thanks for having me. I'm so <laughs> thrilled that you got so much out of the book. I did. No, I did. I mean, it's so, folks, the, the format of the book, it basically, he has a, a podcast. And so you basically talk. I mean, first you have a pair, you have a, a chapter of yourself talking mm-hmm. and stuff, and then each of your guests are on the show, I mean, and they're guests from all kinds of walks of life. Including a guy who, who wrote two Shark Tank books, and because uh, I used to do the Shark Tank after show here on AfterBuzz, one of the things I used to do. So, um, but it's your, your conversations, and we were talking about this off camera. It feels like you're eavesdropping, but you're getting little tidbits as you eavesdrop. What a yes. great concept! Thank you. You know, when you have really great guests on your show, whatever show mm-hmm. it is. And they give you information. You as the host, at least for me, I find I learned something. So I wanted to share that learning with people who prefer to read the book versus necessarily listening to the audio. And, of course, it's all edited down to give you really great sound bites and things you can actually... Use. I was gonna say, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, it's not you probably. I'm sure you edited. You didn't have the whole the whole transcription on there, right? Well, for example, right. somebody did have a British accent, and he goes, "I'm sure you could tell my accent." So we don't need to have that in the no. book. <laughs> no, well, number one though, he dedicated his book to his dog. Yes. Which, if you're a dog person, my Scrabble, I love Scrabble, my Chihuahua. You're all right in my book. Ah, uh, thanks. I mean, yes. hello. There are babies. They are. They are babies. So I, I like that. Um, okay, so there are shows like Shark Tank. That where the whole thing is the pitch. There was a show, The Pitch, that mm-hmm. was about two advertising companies coming together. I like to love that show. Um, it's really a big thing, The Pitch, The Pitch. Can you explain, just in your words, what is a pitch? Sure. Well, everybody needs what's known as an elevator pitch. Literally what you can say in 90 like, seconds yes. or less when you're yes. in an elevator. And few people have a good one. Yeah. So you, will, you know, if you're at a cocktail party, at a networking event, whatever, people will say to you, what do you do? And if you don't have something that tugs at their heartstrings so that they are intrigued enough to say, that's interesting, tell me more, I don't know what that is. For example, when somebody says to me, what do you do, John? I say, well, I'm the pitch whisperer. I help you go from invisible to investable. And that usually triggers people going, wow, I know what a horse whisperer is, but what's a pitch whisperer? The whole goal, James, is to get people to say, tell me more. Not to tell everything about who you help and what you do and how you do it. Just enough to intrigue our minds to go, oh. I say I'm the super organizer. I help people live their best life. Boom. Yes. I say it all the time. Right. They go super organized. The name, they go super organized. It's a catchy thing, like super organizer. Yes. So have some kind of tagline mm-hmm. 
Um, so super organizer sounds like a superhero, right? Mm-hmm. And you visualize you coming in and suddenly whoosh, spinning everything exactly. and getting it from crazy chaos to organization. Mm-hmm. And then imagine how great your life is when you don't have to waste time looking for something, whether it's your glasses or figuring out where your shoes are <laughs> that match or whatever it is. That you're, you're my new PR person. You just, you just told me exactly, that's, that's exactly what I wanted to come across. I'm glad you caught that. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what a good pitch does. It instantly tells people two things. Who do you help? And what problem do you solve for those people? Mm-hmm. And the more specific you can be on that, the better people can start referring you, even if they can't use you. Here's the thing. That, okay, that's true, too. I've been on planes waiting for the bathroom, <laughs> talking to people about what I do, and I go, oh, my God, I know somebody could use you. Yes, because we all have that friend, if we're not the person ourselves, <laughs> who's, oh, you go in their office and you go, how do you find anything? Yes. Right? Or they're right. always saying, oh, I lost that. You're like, no surprise. You know it takes 17 minutes on average to find something? Well, I believe it. Sure. Yeah, most Especially, people, that's the thing. It's crazy. That crazy. If you don't put your keys in the same place every day, <laughs> that could take 17 minutes. Or your reading glasses. That's why people have them everywhere all around they the house. They do? Oh, my God. My mother has like 8 million reading glasses. Like every every two steps is a reading glass. Yeah. So uh, it's yes. not necessary to, to be like that or live like that, but if they need your help. So that's right. why having a great pitch is so important, especially having one that people can instantly remember and that's yes. the whole key is to give you give me something about you that's memorable so that I can keep you in mind as oh the super organizer oh the pitch whisperer boom 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 yes. and uh, I need help with my pitch because nobody's referring anybody to me or nobody yeah. can remember nobody understands what I do yeah. and I find that a really good pitch um, takes people on a journey mm, yes so I tell people I help you go from stumbling through your pitch to soaring from confusing people to giving them clarity, and from boring them to inspiring them. Mm. And they're like, oh, I, um, I need that help. I want to go from one of those. That's things. why I like your name, the Pitch Whisperer, because it does, it does explain exactly what you do. And you're like, I'm going to help you get there. Because people, I always feel like people, especially nowadays in this kind of um, short attention span culture, yes. um, they don't have to think. I always say I always say this in my practice when I say when people say websites two clicks they're done <laughs> anything more than two clicks they're not they're not interested right well the same is true let's say if you're given you know 10, 20 minutes to go mm-hmm. in and pitch to get a new customer you really only have ninety seconds right because that person's going to tune you out start <laughs> checking their email whatever if right. you bore them or start saying something in a way that sounds very robotic and rehearsed and not customized so you have to show your passion. Actually, there's three questions that people okay. have when they hear you pitch anything. Okay. Right? So why should I hire the super organizer? Right? Boom. And it's your time to go. The first one is, do I trust you? Which is a gut thing. It's our stomach. You know, that's the fight or flight response. The handshake first came about showing you don't have a weapon in your hand. Yes. Right. Right. So right. It's a, you need to establish trust. One of the best ways to do that is eye contact, mm-hmm. smiling, letting them know yes. it's a safe environment. Yes. Then, you know, and making sure that everything you say has credibility. Because the minute yes. you lose credibility, you yeah. lose trust, well, and it's over. So once we got that going, then it moves up to our heart, from the gut to the heart. Do I like you? Teachers spend more time with students they like. Doctors spend more time with patients they like. So how do we increase our likability factor? Mm-hmm. It's by showing empathy. Yes. The more you can put yourself in the other person's shoes and say it must feel frustrating to you, you're hearing pitch after pitch after pitch on which design company you're going to mm-hmm. hire, for example. And one of my clients, Gensler, which builds skyscrapers, yeah, and yeah, 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 offices, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were told by a client, you know, we're going to pick the people we like the most more than the best design because when we hire someone to design the airport, 
It's going to be five years. We got to like you. Yes. So developing your soft skills, likability, empathy are just as important and confidence are just as important as your hard skills, whether you're a lawyer or a designer yeah. or whatever it is you're selling. So we go gut, heart, and then we go to the head. I like that. And then people are thinking to themselves, will this work for me? So you need to make sure when you're explaining what you do and who you help that you tell a story. I'm really big on storytelling because people remember your stories, not mm -hmm. your numbers. Mm -hmm. You want the listener to put themselves in that story. So when I was working with Joe, who was really disorganized, mm -hmm. and suddenly he got organized, his life changed. He got more clients, more money. He was less stressed out. And you want them to imagine themselves on that same journey as Joe. So that this doesn't just work for someone like Joe. Mm -hmm. So you paint that picture that Joe was just like you when he started out. Yes. And then they go, oh, so I trust you. I like you. And now I see that this could work for me. Boom, you get the yes. I, I start saying in my pitches for clients, I start using the word non-judgmental. Mm. I found that worked for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, through trial and error, I would say certain words. I say trustworthy and stuff. Right. When, I, when I got to non-judgmental, many of my clients, who corporate and private, said, so you said that... It hits. Well, especially when you're dealing with something that somebody might have a little shame around, right? Mm -hmm. I'm so disorganized. I don't want anybody to see my mess. Mm -hmm. I'm a little embarrassed. So you make it safe. It's yes. the trust factor. I'm not going to judge you. Right. I've had many people that are even more disorganized than I you are. Yes, I said that. So yes. then they go, oh, I'm not the worst case no. he's ever seen, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I, you can help me if you've helped them. You are good. <laughs> no, I mean, you are good. I'm like, it's exactly. I, I mean, I had to learn some of the stuff, trial and error. But uh -huh. like, I mean, that's exactly what they would say to me. The words you just said, like, oh my god, because they'll say things like, "Well, I know." Jay. I'm like, it's fine. Mm. Like, we see a lot. Yeah, trust me, it's like an elbow. I don't mean I don't even I don't even pay attention because I mean we have found things um, yes. as you're cleaning things out. But like, we seriously, I don't flinch. Well, and the other big thing is when you're working with people, James, if you listen to what they say, their pain points are. Right? That's very true, I yes. I feel frustrated. I feel a little embarrassed. And then in your marketing materials and in your pitch, you say, if you feel frustrated, yes. if you feel embarrassed, then this is for you. Mm -hmm. And the more you can distinguish of who this is for and who this is not for in your pitch, whether it's verbal, printed, website, the more focused you become because the mm -hmm. riches are in the niches. I Oh, my God. I love that. <laughs> the riches are in the niches. I love mm -hmm. that. Yes. So the more specific you are, the more your target audience goes, oh, he's speaking to me. That's oh for me. And they God. say yes. I love that. I like that. I have to use that. I like that. Um, that that's very true. And I, and I just, I found that, you know, knowing what you do and narrowing your focus really does help your business. And I'm sure in a pitch, too, you've got to narrow it down. Yes. In fact, one of the people I interviewed said, don't try to boil the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that analogy. I like that too. Because you let's remember Amazon just yes. sold books. Right. Everybody forgets that now. They first just focused That's on selling the books. That's all they did, yes. And got proof of concept before they started selling yeah. everything. So when you're starting your own business, be known for one thing. Yes. Solve one problem. Whatever the lowest hanging fruit is, yes. that answers again two questions. Why you and why now? Mm. So we go back to you, James. Why are you uniquely qualified to be the super organizer? Mm -hmm. And we would probably work to see what your story of origin was. Were you always organized as a kid? Or is it a skill you learned and decided to help other people? Mm, yes. And then why now? Well, did you know people spend 17 minutes looking for something? Yeah. Imagine what those 17 minutes could be used for instead yes. of that. Yes. Boom. So Duh. now more than ever, you need to be more right. competitive because if your competitors are more organized than you are, guess what? They're going to take your clients away and get market share. 
So that's why now. Another example of why now is Uber. If we all didn't have sm- smartphones, or the majority of us anyway, mm-hmm. that would never work. Right. Airbnb would never have worked. That's true. If the economy wasn't bad back in 2008, people yeah. wouldn't have been willing to rent out a room or their whole place right. to get extra income. So answering why you and why now, in addition to who you help and what problem yeah. you solve, you put all that into a pitch, you're going to get a yes. Well, that's what I told her before. It was a show. I mean, I've pitched several shows on this never, and I've pitched a radio show, and I got them. I was very blessed there, but I did do my research, and mm-hmm. I and it's funny because I love what I do. I think it it it, it just oh okay, it, it just came really into um, made my pitch I think stronger because I remember going into my pitch and saying, "Okay, are you messy?" Mm. And we're like one guy's like, "Oh my god!" Like, I said, "How's your car look?" Oh. And that's kind of how I came in, mm-hmm. and they were already engaged. Got it. And I was like, and they were like, so, but yeah, my car, yeah, my car's messed. Like, you know, we live in L.A., we live in our cars. And then I, then I pitched the story I had of the radio show concept I had. Mm-hmm. Right, especially because people tend to listen to the radio in the car. I was smart. I, I learned. So. And, but I mean, see, here's the thing: I'm very present in everything that I do, mm-hmm. and so I assume if you're pitching. When you're preparing your pitch to the actual pitch itself, yes. you have to be present, don't you? Absolutely. People can tell whether you're passionate or not. You can't fake that. Authenticity right. is everything. Yes. And Arthur Ashe has a great quote. He said, the key to success is confidence, and the key to confidence is preparation. So a lot of people are afraid to practice their pitch, which always confuses me. Yeah, why are you afraid of it? Yeah. But they said, oh, I don't want to sound robotic. And I said, you know what? Okay. Think of this as your Super Bowl of meetings when you're going into pitch. Or an Olympic moment for yourself. Mm-hmm. All those athletes practice, right? Tiger Woods still goes and yeah, swings, they still right? yeah, still practice. Meryl yeah. Streep, I can assure you, practices oh, sure. before the camera rolls. Oh, yes, I'm sure. So, what makes you think you don't have to practice? So, when I frame it that way, they go, oh, "Okay, I get it. I need to practice." Guess what? The other benefit is your confidence goes up, mm-hmm. even if you practice just your opening and closing. Yes. So you have a framework of what you're going to say. It doesn't have to be memorized. Just here's three things I want people to know or mm-hmm. remember about why I'm the uniquely person they want to work yeah. with. And then we can start building on other t- secrets on getting yeah. your confidence up. But the first one is p- preparation. People are, people are afraid. Okay, so I want to talk about, because uh, this is a good segue to, you had a conversation with Claudio, Claudia Ignazio? Yes. Okay, and something she brings up that I, I think I want to I just read this really quickly. Um I like to invest in entrepreneurs who want to have a dialogue with me about it. Mm. If they're going to talk at me and lecture to me, it's probably not worth coming. Our partners come from very, extremely very backgrounds. We've all got different connections to bring to the table. Uh, I like that she says that she wants someone to talk to her, talk with her, not at her. Yes. So that's very important, isn't it, for pitching? It's everything, including when you give a keynote talk. One of the highest compliments I ever received was from Dr. Mark Goldston. Who wrote a lot of books like just, Yeah, that sounds familiar, yes. Yes, just listen, talking to crazy. Oh, okay, okay, yes. Okay. And he said, came up to me afterwards and said, You talked to us, not at or above us. Yes, not above us. That's not good, you guys. Right. So, literally, investors, anybody who's being pitched to will tell you, Be a human being. Don't be a robot. Have a conversation. The conversation should not just be them listening the whole time. You should ask them some questions present some of your information, have a dialogue, mm-hmm. because they literally want, again, they like to like you, especially if they're going to invest in yeah. you or hire you for something. They mm-hmm. want to know that they could hang out with you and that you mm-hmm. would be somebody that's present, prepared, mm-hmm. and interested in what they have to say as much as what you have to say. Well, why does it seem like, just for the layman person, it seems like 
pitching is you talking at somebody. It mm. just seems like, why, why do we have that that connotation with it? Because it really, you're right, it really isn't talking at somebody. I'm telling you why should, you should hire me. But like, right. you're not really, I mean, it's like screaming and yelling, right? <laughs> yes. And that, you know, and then the audience, you know, let's say if you're sitting, you know, listening to pitch after pitch on deciding which design oh, firm sure, you're going to yeah, hire yeah. or whatever, yeah. it all starts to sound very similar. Yeah. The language becomes very similar. And you start to tune out. Because there's no audience involvement. There's no stories. Stories, Stories that's what pull you in, right? Tell me a story that's much more interesting than your numbers. Yeah, and I, and I, I get this society who, they, again, another thing for like a misnomer is like, tell me your numbers. Tell me how successful you are. And tell me how many people are like, that's part of it, right? I mean, well, we not buy, in a pitch. We buy emotionally. There's just the right side of our brain right, where okay. imagination and stories live. And the left side of our brain is numbers and analytics. So if I say I'm going to, you know, let me tell you why you should hire me and here's my numbers, you start analyzing and comparing me to other other people and you cross your arms, you're very, you know, analytical. But if I say, let me tell you a story, you unfold your arms. Oh, I'm in the right side of my brain. Maybe this will be interesting, maybe even entertaining. And I'm not being pitched to, I'm being told a story. And if it's a good story, I'm pulled into the story and I'm on the journey with the story. And that's what makes people want to engage. One of my favorite examples of this is someone I worked with named Martin. Okay. And he came to me and he said, you know, I'm a little nervous. I said, well, we're going to stack your moments of certainty to get your confidence up. And so just write down four or five times in your life when you knew you nailed it, right? You asked somebody out on a date, got a yes. Interviewed for a job, got a yes. Pitched to get a show, they said yes, Mm -hmm. right? Put all that in your head before you go into this next pitch as opposed to all the negative self-talk that can oh, kick yes. in. I'm not enough. They're never going to buy from me. Right. Who, what makes me think I'm good? You know, could do this. So you remember all of that and you feel, you recreate the feelings from those moments of certainty. So Martin said, well, one of those moments for me was I was born in South America, but I grew up in the Netherlands. Oh, wow. And when I turned 18, my parents took me back to South America, dropped me off naked in the Amazon jungle to survive because in my culture, that's the rite of passage into manhood. Oh. Okay. And see, your eyebrows went up. That it did. It intrigued you, right? Yeah. I said, guess what? That's the opening to your pitch. That's a story. Uh, so let's work on that story, Martin. I said, what lessons did you learn in the Amazon jungle? And he said, well, I learned how to focus and pivot and persevere. I said, great. There you go. And we're going to take those lessons from the Amazon jungle yeah. to the concrete jungle of being an entrepreneur. And once he had that down, he won a yeah. pitch contest and got funded because the investor said, we're putting our money on the guy that survived the Amazon jungle. He can survive any problems that come up in his business. Wow. So that's a, so should we break that down for everybody on why that story works? Yes, please okay. do. I'm all about breaking it down. I'm all about starting small. You'll bring I, it down. I know you like to break stuff down. I so do. Let's, let's look at that. So okay. a good story has four basic elements. Exposition, the who, yes. what, where, when. Right. A problem. Right. A solution. And then a resolution. Oh, okay. I'm curious about this. Okay. So, with the Martin story, sometimes when he would practice that with me, he would forget to say it's a rite of passage in his culture. Okay. And I said, if you don't say that, being dropped off naked yeah. sounds like child abuse. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Right? Yes. So, I could see you going, what's going on? Oh, yeah. and then I said that and resolved that yeah. conflict in your head. Oh, okay, now I see I was why. Like, how mean are they? That's what I was thinking right. at first, how of mean course. they were. Right, and then it gets resolved. So, yeah. that's the exposition. He's 18 years old. We really painted the picture, right? Yes, you did. So the problem clearly is he's naked in the Amazon jungle, <laughs> yes. right? And the solution are what are the life lessons he learned? It's not enough just to say you survived it, but yeah. I'm very specific. And then the resolution is he won a pitch contest and got mm. his startup funded. Okay. So there's a short story, compelling, memorable, yeah. concise. I won't forget it. And 
there's the reason why it works because it has all four of those elements and that's what I love to do is help people craft their own story you don't have to have that dramatic of a oh, yeah, right. story but we still have those same elements that get people pulled in and so if you're telling a case study for example of someone you've helped you have those same elements and people start putting themselves in that story of oh that person was just as disorganized as I was and he and you know James helped them so he could help me mm-hmm. and so we'll paint the picture of what their desk or their house or their car look like and then you know the problem was like we're wasting all this time and they got frustrated and Mm -hmm. things got procrastinated because they couldn't even start Mm -hmm. and then the solution is you came in and fixed it and then the resolution now is they're making more money they're less stressed out and you paint the picture of how they feel after working with you Mm -hmm. I'm always I'm I'm one of eight kids who lived and had bunk beds so he was 18 years old had to organize my own space I always tell those stories yes Right. And, yeah. you know, I, my sisters and I used to sit in the back seat of our family car on vacations, and we were literally drawing an imaginary line in the back seat. Don't cross this line. This is my space. Before we knew anything about personal space. Right, you're right, exactly. Back yeah. then, we don't know any kind of stuff back then. Yeah. I love that. Another thing I want to read, because um, you touched on it a little earlier, Todd Herman, you talked to. Mm. Uh, and this was this this actually was very interesting for me when I, I read this. Um, and that's, that's Michael. Todd um, coaches professional athletes and yes. takes that into the corporate world so he's really an expert on productivity and your mindset yes but this is something that i want to talk about and touch on because i hear this word thrown at me sometimes but I like what he says the word authenticity is a very big kind of buzzword that's out there and even nowadays i challenge people about it all the time here's my premise i love i love i love this I don't think anyone on this planet is really authentic because if people are authentic, the most authentic moment of your life was when you came out of the womb and you were bloody and you were crying. I love that. And they just and one of the sentences he goes on to say is that we all get our personality shaped. Yes. You know, and that, and that's and that's okay, so I'm told I'm authentic in many ways, but I know that I'm a hyper version of myself on certain things that I do. Right. Well, one of the things that Todd is so good at doing is cre- helping people create an alter ego. So he said, who I am as a dad and as a uh, husband is very different than who I am when I'm in the business world. Mm-hmm. And so he literally puts on glasses that he doesn't need to see. Oh, how funny. And that's his superhero moment where he goes, um, okay, now I'm Todd the business person. And it. this person, and he works with athletes in the same way. He goes, okay, you have to figure out something to wear. For women, he has them wear a piece of jewelry, whatever it is mm-hmm. that triggers them to go, ah, this is this part of my personality now. Yeah. This is my game playing. And yeah. I'm a nice person off the field, but maybe I have to be really aggressive in football or whatever the yeah. sport is. So I need to click that part of myself on mm. and be authentic in, as that person. Yes. And so there's where the authenticity comes is I'm not like this all the time. No, of course not. But I need to be like this when I need to do this job. Yeah. When I read that, I was like, that is true. Because, I mean, I have certain shows that I do where there's different parts of me. There's still me. Yes. On some levels, it's me. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm being me. But I'm not exactly at home where I swear a lot more. <laughs> uh, and I may have a drink in my hand. But, I mean, I'm on TV and I'm, and I'm being more poised. And I'm, and I'm, I'm watching the clock. And I'm, I'm doing the stuff that I do as a sure. host. But it's still James Lodge Jr. I'm still doing me. Mm-hmm. And I'm still being authentic on someone. But I like the way he said that it's like, yeah, if we were all really authentic. We'd be dirty and grimy and, you know, that kind of, you know, that right. kind of stuff. Well, you know, when you let your mask down a little bit, because we all put on our masks. Yes, yes. Um, you know, your vulnerability is where your stories can come from. And that's how people can relate to you. So literally, your mess is your story. And in your case, about being organized, it really is your story. Mm-hmm. So if you tell, you know, if you come across as somebody who's never had a challenge, never had any yeah. problems, people have a hard time relating to you. Yeah, that's true. So, you, you know what? I wasn't always 
great at giving a pitch and I decided that I needed to learn how to do it. And once I realized the secrets, I saw a lot of other people struggling. So that's what made me so passionate about helping as many people as possible learn to become storytellers because Plato said storytellers rule the world. So that's my passion. That's why I do what I do. I want to help people rule the world through stories yeah. about why they're doing what they're doing because yeah. then they can have their dreams come true. Uh, what is the difference between giving too much information about your story mm. how do you find the balance of that literally it's give it out in small doses okay so that it's i'm the pitch whisperer i help people go from invisible to investable until people say that's interesting tell me more i don't say anything else okay then they'll say what's a pitch whisperer that i'll describe i help you with your confidence i answer mm. the three unspoken questions don't say anything else okay i like that what okay. are the three unspoken questions I get them to want to know more yeah. as opposed to just talking and talking and talking. Because if they're not interested, there's no point in me talking. They're not going to listen anyway. That's true. So talking, there's this, there is this talking too much. The verbal diarrhea. Just like calm it down, make them ask. Yes. And also, here's a big tip. Tell us. If somebody says, yes, I want to hire you. Yes, I want to stop, stop talking. I was on a sales call with somebody. And the <sighs> client said, okay, that sounds good. We're going to use it. And he goes, oh, but there's two more features I have to tell you about. And he lost the sale. Oh, I've seen it happen before, too. Yes. So <clears throat> the minute they say yes, we're done. Right. We're done selling. We're done pitching. Right. It doesn't matter how many other things there are to talk about. They've said yes. That's the ultimate goal, right? Yeah. Like I talk about in terms of landing the plane. You yeah. know, when we're on an airplane and we are going from L.A. to New York and they make the announcement, we're now landing, you don't suddenly stand up and go, what? <laughs> we're landing? I thought we were just going to fly around forever. <laughs> right. Right? It's, right. It's a, and so you need to be a co-pilot with your buyer when you're pitching and say, here's the journey we're going on. And if all these things mm. get met, we're going to land this plane together. And when I hear the boarding, the landing announcement, I want to hire you, then we're done. You land. We land. We say, thank you. Great. Let's get started. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've seen people, personally, myself, too, who talk to myself. Also, I'm like, I feel like they feel like, I feel like they feel like I have these points I have to make. Yes. And that's the most important part of it. And it's right. not, right? Well, here's the big takeaway, James. People don't buy information. Mm. I buy the transformational journey you take them on from stumbling to soaring, from confusing to clarity, from boring to inspiring. That's what they're buying. Or in your case, they're taking cluttered, stressed out, overwhelmed to organized, focused, Calm. less stressed. Yeah. yeah. So that's what it's not the it's not the how you get them there that's important. Mm. It's not the information of okay, so first we're going to do this, and then we're gonna, nobody buys logistics. Or, t- or techniques or the details of the numbers. They're mm-hmm. buying the transformational experience of this is my pain point and this is how I'm going to feel after you solve my pain point. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to feel and that's what's important, not the details of the information of how you get me there. That's interesting because because people I know people who think that that's the most important part. I got to show them how qualified I am mm-hmm. by telling you what I can do exactly, like how we build the house. I mean, like you know, you're saying, no one cares about that part. Nobody Dude, cares. We're saying that if you if you tell us enough, we'll hire you and trust you can build that house. Correct. Yes, because you're telling a story, ideally, mm-hmm. of someone who you did build a house for. Oh, right. And you're not telling them. Well, first we got the lumber, and then we measured the yeah, thing, and then we've got a hammer, and then we got a. You're saying we helped make this person's dream house come a reality, and now they're yeah. so happy in their dream house. Right. It's even better than they even imagined. So wouldn't you like to have that feeling and have that experience where you come home to a place that feels like your castle and you can entertain your friends and you start painting a picture of what their life is going to be like after you've built the house, not the details of building yes, the house. Like that. 
Yes, it's so it's like it is kind of future focused. It is in pitching, right? right? Like so, if I tell everybody if we all agree that we all have to paint a picture when we pitch, right? Then let's become the Picasso of pitches. Okay, I so guess. that means have all kinds of tools at your mm-hmm. disposal. I was fortunate enough to meet Francoise Gillot, who was with Picasso during the wow. war. She's Paloma Picasso's mother. Wow. So okay. I, was, I met her in her apartment in New York, and she was in her 80s, and she greeted me with her French accent, because she was yes. born in France. Yes. She was in her 20s, and he was in his 60s during the war, in the 40s. And she's showing me all these paintings of her paintings and Picasso's paintings. Yeah. And she said, you know, this in the war, there was a shortage of canvases, and we would paint over our masterpieces. Because oh my we had God. such an urge to paint. She goes, this painting is the fifth one I did. And I think the third one underneath it is my favorite. Oh, my God. And I said, oh, wow. How amazing and how sad almost that no one's going to yeah. see that third painting. She yeah. goes, I still see it in my mind's eye. Oh, my God. So you think, and the story lives on, right? Yes. So you think, am I that passionate about what I'm doing that I'm willing to paint over my masterpiece? Because sometimes we get so attached to this is what I've created and customers are telling me they don't want it and if I just change this, they would buy it and they would, nope, that's what I... And they, so you need to be willing to paint over your mask. I've already practiced my pitch. I can't possibly practice it one more time. Right. Really? What if we if right. could improve it? If you so being willing to become the Picasso of pitches is because you're so passionate about why you're pitching. Well, I just feel like there's no substitute for hard work. First of all, mm. there's just no substitute for it. I mean, putting in the hours, doing the work, rehearsing it ten, twenty times, mm-hmm. and that's what you need to do. Because the, the end game is you want to get what you're pitching pitched and worked. Mm-hmm. You want to get picked up, right? So I think to me, whatever you put into it, it's, it's, that's, that's what you should put into it. Right, and it, but in order for it to not feel like hard work, like oh my god, I'm going yeah. out and you know having to dig a ditch, <laughs> uh, which is you know a framework of what we used to think hard work was. Yes, right, right. right. It, you go back to your why. Why am I writing this book? Why am I so passionate about helping people with their pitch? It's because I see a lot of people stuck, not knowing how to get customers, get people to join their team, get funded, whatever their reason is, all because they don't know how to tell a story. And they, I said, forget selling and tell stories instead. So if your why is big enough, why am I doing this? What's my purpose? Then it doesn't feel like hard work. And you're like, you know what? I want to do this. So I was helping this one woman who created an app to help math students who couldn't afford a calculator in school. Oh, wow. And she was, you know, having to give a pitch on that. And she said, you know, when it got frustrating and annoying, I just kept remembering this one student that would have been in her math class and how I wanted to help her and people like her be able to get through math. Mm. And that was her why. So the hard work that she's doing to get her app up and running and all that doesn't feel like work when she remembers why she's doing it. So that's my tip on hard work is go back to why you're doing it. Because when that happens, then it's not hard work. Well, it's funny. I'm writing a book right now. It's on organizing and time management. And I always tell people, I said, the reason why I'm writing is because I personally am living proof that you can do whatever you want to do, how many things you want to do mm. in a day, in a week, and that's why I want to share with you guys. I have these tips and these different unique ideas that I think they they work. They work for me, and so I feel like they can work for you too. I have people tell me all the time, "How do you do your TV shows?" I'm telling you, I can. I'll tell you why in this book. Yes, why I can do these TV shows and why I can right. have time with the family and why I can go to Sacramento and see my daughters. And I mean, I, I have I've found ways to do it that that really work. Well, giving people time or saving them money are the two big mm-hmm. things that everybody wants, right? That's usually the reason people buy something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the feeling that comes with that, right? Mm-hmm. So 
Do you have a title for your new book yet? Not yet. That's that's kind. Of, I think it's coming to my coming to me. It hasn't come to me yet. Right. So that's the hook. Right. Yeah. That's the pitch. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like you know something that grabs people yes. that they go oh boom yeah. boom that's yeah. me. You know. I did a I did a blog. I have a blog. I did a blog post. Uh, one of my most popular ones was the title was how I can help save money, um, keep money in your wallet by being organized. And people came to it because I talked about how. You can spend money when you can't find those scissors. <laughs> the scissors are in the house. You probably have five pairs sitting in the other room, but you can't find them because you're disorganized, so you go to the store, or you buy tape, yes. or you buy... I was always about the little items. You can't find staples, so you go, you go to the office depot, and you buy and Then you come home. I said, it always happens every single time. You come home with that new pair of scissors. You see the other scissors. Exactly. And we, people love that story. For some they love that. Because that we can plug. all relate to it. Right. You're, you're putting us in the story. Right. You're, and it's something that's very common. And we're like, oh, I thought I was the only one. <laughs> and you give them permission to be okay about it. Yes. Right? I mean, like, for premise that time is money, mm-hmm. then you're helping people save time. So, of course, you're saving them money. Right. Right. Just your own time is worth more than all the time it, you it waste is. looking for things. Yes. Right. That's why the four-hour work week was such a success. Yeah. Because people are like, oh, God, you could actually get something done in four hours that would give you the productivity of a week. Mm-hmm. So it's that's the real mm-hmm. lesson is, what am I doing? Who am I helping? What problem am I solving? Mm-hmm. When you pitch people, that's going to make them want to buy from you. Now with you, I mean, did you, were you always a strong pitch man? Well, I grew up watching Bewitched TV show, for those <laughs> of you who remember what that show was. Oh, Serena. Oh, yes. My favorite, no. I uh, love yes. Darren Stevens. I wanted oh, to do what he did. Okay. I wanted to be the guy. With Larry Tate and all that. Yes, that um, went to the clients and pitched the agency. So I thought that's the perfect combination of show business and business is advertising. Okay. So I went into advertising, and that was really what I wanted to do. And okay. I worked for an ad agency for a while, and then I um, went to work for Condé Nast. Yeah, I remember that, And yes. in the Condé Nast, you're always, you know... Co- showing advertisers what the magazine's about, what the website's about, what yeah. the shows are about to get them to want to advertise. So it was really, again, painting the picture of not the numbers so much, but who's reading this magazine, who's watching and reading this website, mm-hmm. and are they in this? Are they your target audience? Because if our editors, for example, created emotional content that would pull people into a story, whether it's a story about Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, yeah. Yeah. or whatever it is, uh, in a fashion shoot, then they would see your ad, and your whole goal of the ad is to emotionally engage people. Yeah, yeah. So I would paint that picture for them of that. But I took a lot of time and effort to learn what motivated people, how people were persuaded, and it always kept telling me, it's all about the story. And so you know, the editors would say, when we do a multi-page fashion shoot, we're telling a story. Yeah, so I'm like, ah, oh, my job is to convey to advertisers yeah. what the voice of the magazine's editors are okay. and how that matches the voice of their brand. And once they oh, okay. sell that, okay, um, right? So Lexus wants to take you on the pursuit of perfection, yes. right? And that's the emotional connection there of, you know, going and exploring. So that makes sense if it's a luxury brand competing against other brands like Mercedes yep. and BMW. If the car Lexus brand is in a brand with other non-automotive mm-hmm. things that are luxury like Hermes bags and Gucci this or that, then people associate the Lexus brand with luxury, and that's how I was able to convince Lux- Lexus to come into W by painting wow. that picture. But it took you know a lot of sales training, a lot of training okay, yeah. on um, storytelling, and not being afraid of rejection. Okay, let's talk about that because even you me going with your best pitch, mm. it, it's it's still it could be a crapshoot sometimes. It just depends on what they are looking for. Sure, you could be great. Yeah. 
and everything. And, and I always say the same thing. There were things that didn't happen for me that I thought I I wanted it so yes. bad. And I, I will name I'll name it right now. I want I wanted to be the spokesperson for uh, Joyce.com. Mm-hmm. Joyce is up in San Francisco and they actually came to me and I was and I was gonna be their first male contributor and mm-hmm. I was gonna do this whole thing on home organization. And we went back and forth, and it just it just didn't it didn't work. It just didn't happen. But I but they always said I was good, and then I had a good pitch and everything. But right. it's like it just I wanted so bad, but then it's like now that I didn't do that, something else came along that actually was a better fit. Yes. Well, that's you know I can't help but reference sound of music, right? When one door closes, <laughs> another window opens, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's why I love. That's why. That's why. Yes. Yes. And while we're in it, we can't. We see can't it. see it. Oh my God! Right? No. So here's the secret that I've learned with okay. rejection. Because when I started my podcast, I was afraid of getting rejected. Right? I'm yeah. going to invite people to be on. I haven't done any episodes. They're like, "Well, could I? How many downloads do you have? Yeah. Um, how many other people have been on?" Yes. And you're like, uh, "Can I hear some other episodes?" Well, you'd be the yes. first. Right. So I realized throughout my whole career that you can't take rejection personally. Nope, can't. Right. The Four Agreements says, "Don't take anything yes. personally." I apply it to rejection, especially in sales. Rejection is the number one reason, James, people don't go into sales. Yeah, no, I know. I'm they sure. Can, and because they take the rejection personally. Right. So for me, when I was selling ads for W Magazine, Lexus could say sometimes, you know what? We think Vogue or Vanity Fair is a better magazine for us for this launch versus you. And I would beat myself up. I'm like, oh, somebody else could have mm. gotten them to say yes. Or maybe they're right. Maybe those other magazines are better. So you can't yeah. reject yourself. Mm, like that. Yeah. That's the real hook, right? Yes. This is just no for now, not no forever. Doesn't mean maybe that's not the right fit, and that's okay because there are people out there who I am the right fit for. So when I coach people on how to not take rejection personally, I was working with Land Rover. So oh yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, even if you're selling a luxury car, you mm-hmm. get rejected. Yeah, I'm sure. Right? I'm sure. Yeah, it's not sure. everybody walking in going, "Here's my check." No. Um, and I said, when you get a no, and you thought that person was going to say yes. The best way to hit the reset button is to call a client who recently bought from you and go, how's it going? It's good customer mm-hmm. service. Okay. They might give you a referral. Yeah, sure. And it hits the reset button because you remember that feeling of when they said yes and how happy they are so that the next person who walks into the dealership, you're ready to with that mindset. You're like, as opposed to the rejection yeah. that just happened. And that's true for real estate agents. It's true for anybody who's selling anything. Go back to somebody who said yes to you Check in with them. Remember how happy you made them because your purpose is bigger than just hitting your quota. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I found that out early as an entrepreneur because I, I, I changed my life at 40, about 10 years ago. I changed my life. And and I didn't really know. I, I used to do sales for corporate stuff, and mm-hmm. that was one thing. But to sell yourself is very different mm-hmm. in the entrepreneur. And I found with organizing, and I, I tell this to all my young organizers out there all the time, because so, it's a personal thing. So some people will initially be like, I want to find out what's going on. Tell me about your business. Mm-hmm. They seem going hard first. They, oh, I'm not ready right now. Or I'll, I'll, I just can't do it right now. Okay, they'll claim whatever they mm-hmm. claim. I found almost, I would say 80% of the time, three months later, sometimes six months later, mm-hmm. they call back and now they're ready. Mm-hmm. And what was the stumbling block? For some of them, it was just shame, mm-hmm. guilt. Yeah. Um, a few of them was money. A few of them was money. I, I say my rates mm-hmm. or whatever. It was my money. But most of it was just shame and guilt, and and just being afraid to like be vulnerable. Yes. And so I know for me, as a, I'm thinking when I first started, I got to make money. Got to make money. Got to make money. That's you, you're entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. You're thinking. I got bills to pay. I got to right. make money. But I had, to, I had to calm down, calm that down, and go. Oh, I am getting clients, 
But I'm not going to get every client right away. Yes. And I tell people, let go of being a perfectionist. Yes. And be a progressionist. Ooh. A progressionist is someone who celebrates their progress. And a lot of people are not good at that. They're not. What what is that about, do you think? To please tell me. It's a mindset. You know? And so the way to shift it is to literally write down everything you accomplished that day, that week, and look at that. When you start to say, oh, I'm not there yet. So literally, if you're climbing a mountain, Mm -hmm. you can either say, I'm only halfway there, or look how far I've come. It's your choice, the perspective. And the people who say, look how far I've come, are the ones that get re-energized to keep going. The ones that say, oh, I'm not even halfway there yet, are the ones that stop. I have a producing partner who's kind of like that on some things where he's always looking at, well, we're here. Because I'm always like, that's so great. We got to this many views of this. And he's like, I know that's great, but I mean, I still have a vision. The vision hasn't changed. Right. The vision's still there. But I always, I always celebrate the small stuff. I think it's something it's so when I important. book somebody, I'm like, I booked John Live. I'm like, oh my god, like it's, it's, a, it's, it's why not living Absol- in the moment? Why not? Yes, because your brain will reinforce that. Yeah. Right. So weight loss, for example, right? You can beat yourself up. There's all kinds of ways to look at that. You can say, um, you know, there, there's three D's to really make it okay. a success. So the first one is you get distracted. Right? Yes. So you're on a diet, you go to a buffet, you're like, oh my God, I'm distracted. Look at all those desserts, and right, you get off track, right? Yeah. Or, you know, social media can be really weapons of mass distraction. Ooh, I like that. I like it. So you can um, use something, an acronym for focus follow one course until successful. Ooh. So you stay really focused on, so you don't get so distracted, yeah. right? Then the next one is you get discouraged. Yeah. Right? You um, say, oh, I wanted to lose five pounds this week. I've only lost two. And I'm so, what's the point? Right? As opposed to, I've lost two. It's better than gaining two. Yes. So, discouragement, you have to, you know, I didn't gain all this weight in one week. I probably won't lose it all in one week. Right? Mm -hmm. So, you shift that. And then the other one is discouragement. So, you get discouraged, you get distracted, and then you get disappointed. So, you lose five, ten pounds, and nobody notices. Oh, yeah, there's that. Yes. And you get disappointed that no one's, and you're looking outside yourself. For people to give you feedback. You mm-hmm. have to do it for you. Yes, that's very true. So if you overcome those three Ds, including the rejection part, it will really help you go, okay, next, right? Mm-hmm. I decide if I'm going to obsess on what I didn't get for an hour, a day, a week, a month, a year. Yeah. Or I'm like, you know what? I thought I had that. I didn't. It's okay. Next. Yeah. And let it go because there's no point in beating yourself up because something didn't happen. That's true. And if you do, then guess what? You just attract more of that. Well, you know, I, I did have a talk on my radio show this morning about the law of attraction mm-hmm. with a, with, a, with someone, and it's very much as true. Like you know, present you know, attracts like. And I, I made an intention this year. I, I took uh, two months off nice. from everything, and it was great. I went to Canada. I went mm. to all kinds. Of, I, went to, I went to Montreal. Loved it up there. Went to New York for a while. I saw family. Just kind of took, I just took time off. Didn't didn't do any work. Um, but I made an intention when this came I said, okay, I there are certain things I want to be successful in this year. It's mm-hmm. going to be the year of James Lott Jr. Mm-hmm. And I said it out loud. Mm-hmm. I said it out loud, and I fully believe it. And, I, and I, I write lists, and I write things down. I'm a list person. I write lists down and stuff. No surprise. Yes. Organizer. It's all ties together, right, John? So, but I mean, I, I said it out loud, and I'm, t- I'm telling you, I am telling you, I'm folks out there, I'm not kidding. This last month of my professional life has been amazing. Mm-hmm. The opportunities coming my direction, um, and you're included in that. Thank you. Um, people coming into my life. I mean, my attitude's been more positive. People were saying, "Yeah, you were really positive these mm-hmm. days." I'm like, I just, I'm, I'm changed. I changed it. I made my intention known, 
and I'm going for it. I'm like, I'm not gonna, no one's gonna stop me. I'm going that direction. But I'm not, but I'm calm about it. I'm not like mm. on the hamster wheel. Like I gotta, I gotta make, I gotta make, I gotta make, I gotta make it. Because that's the difference I learned. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's easy to do when you're an entrepreneur or a startup or yep. something where you're just like you're hyper. You like what you're doing. You're excited. Right. So when you go in to pitch it or go in to talk to somebody, it's like it's too much. Too right. much, right? You can't expect someone to drink out of a fire hose. I've <laughs> done right? it before, but it's crazy. Yeah, it's a little hard. That's, that's so, <laughs> even you know, for example, when I was um, getting coached on how to be more effective on television, okay, okay. I said, you know, if you want a good pitch, you should be clear, concise, and compelling. And I was saying that too fast. I was oh, saying, funny. You want to be clear, concise, and compelling, and then you watch uh-huh. it back, and you're like, you know what? You, you need to pause and let people absorb that first word before you go to the next word. Ah, like so, that. much like in music, there's pauses. Yes, there is. Much like in comedy, there's pauses. Yes, there is. And only really confident, relaxed people can take pauses when they speak. Yes. Without worrying about dead air time or right. that the person's not listening. or And our nerves get kicked in. Remember, that's the butterflies in our stomach. Yeah, there is. The yes. adrenaline. Yeah, the adrenaline. And we tend to talk faster when that's happening. So... The goal is to get the butterflies in your stomach to fly in formation. Oh, I like that. Not to get rid of them. So take that nervous energy from your stomach yeah. and make a gesture. and Get it out. And get your head out of, oh, it's all about me and will they like me and am I good enough, mm-hmm. into, I'm here to serve. I'm here to give some information. Yes. And I'm not attached to whether that person likes me or not. I'm just going to do my best. And when you get out of worrying about what people are thinking of you, instead, here's what I have to yeah, give, yeah. then you can calm yourself down. That's so true. Because I, I, I didn't learn that in voiceover work. Mm. Especially intonation, everything, just cadence. You had to learn how to you know, sure. do, do your words for certain things I read for. Mm-hmm. So that's true. Because you, you get excited, you get nervous, and you just kind of you start to stutter a little more. Or I, talk, I come from a family that talks fast. Mm-hmm. They're from New York. They all talk fast. And I got that with them. And mm-hmm. so I've had to learn on TV, as I do hosting, too, to slow down. You know, do the pacing is correct. I mean, it's 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 when, when you're pitching though, you're very excited, you're hyper excited, you're nervous, you're you're hoping because you're hoping it goes the way you want it to go. Right. Well, the key is you cannot be attached to the outcome. Got it. And so when you you know hit a baseball, golf, whatever your thing is that you might be doing, you after you make the swing, you got to let go. Right. You can follow through and hope that it happens. Yeah. But if if we get too attached to this person is going to be the source of my good. This That job is going to be the make it or break it for me. Or I need that to feel good about myself. Oh, and there's that too, yes. We get so attached to that being the core of our happiness. And you're like, I'm going to be me regardless of whether I get hired or not, regardless of whether that person funds my startup or not, mm-hmm. regardless of whether that client buys from me or not, whether I get that job or not. So when you are not attached to the pitch, guess mm-hmm. what? It's like dating. You're more okay. attractive yes. because you're not desperate. You're not needy. Uh, this is who I am. If this is a fit, fantastic. If it's not, that's okay. I'm still going to be me. Mm-hmm. I know people who want what I have. Yes, I understand that one. I always say I am hungry, not thirsty, <laughs> for a more modern terms, which to me, which is something that I really believe in because recently I've been having... Um, I'm part of some associations in my other mm-hmm. fields uh, in coaching and everything, and for years, they didn't give me much attention. Mm. Now they are. Mm. And I find it interesting because, um, for me, I didn't worry about them. Mm. I kept saying, okay, just James, keep putting out some you know, good product. Right. Keep chugging along. Do what you have to do. Live your life like it's golden. Mm. Take all that stuff going on. And the audience will come. Yes. Well, it's filled with dreams, isn't it? If you yeah. build it, they will come. Yeah. Right? And consistency. Yes. Is That's really important. key. And right? that key, consistency, right? 
Right. Consistency. If people start to go, oh, I'm going to listen to your podcast, and it's every week, fantastic. And then you miss a couple of weeks, they're like, eh, this guy isn't committed. That's true. Right. So the same thing is true in what you do. And it goes back to your why, which goes back to your passion, and that you're not attached to, oh, I thought that was a great episode. A lot of people haven't listened to it yet. Oh, well. I still like doing it. I learned something, and maybe people will find it later. Who knows, mm-hmm. right? So. Very true. Because I have blog posts I put out, and I'm thinking this is a good one. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. Good. People are gonna just run, and and I get some response. But then all of a sudden, three months later, four months later, I'm looking at my. St- you get if you have a blog, put you on WordPress. You have you get stats every mm-hmm. day and everything. All of a sudden, I'm like, why is that one hitting all of a sudden? Sometimes it's related to a subject that's happening in real life. Yes, the why now comes in. Yes, the why now comes in. And how you tag things is very mm-hmm. important also. But sometimes it just hits some people at a certain time period, day, right. the, the season. Well, actors can't go into a movie going, I'm really attached to winning an Academy Award for this portrayal. Right. right? Because then they won't be in the moment. They won't be at their best. And they're obsessed with that award is what's going to make me feel like I did a good job in the movie. And if I don't get that award, yeah. then I'm not going to feel like I did a good job. And then that's going to affect your performance. So right. you can't be attached to the outcome, whether it's a sale, getting hired, getting funded, whatever it is, when you pitch. The key is practice, be passionate, answer those questions, why you, why now, mm-hmm. explain a story that pulls people in and tugs mm-hmm. at the heartstrings, and then people will open their purse strings. It's so funny about that, that that it really is. People always say, there's no emotions in business. There's no way. But there is. Mm. That's funny. I mean, in in this industry, there are, trust me, there's emotions. Sure. People hire people they like and trust and want to get to do with. I mean, you don't get hired on a, you know, there's a saying in Hollywood, you know, life's too short to work with that particular actor. Yeah. Right? Because they're a dude on the set. Yeah. Same thing for the writer's room. All of that is, we're going to spend a lot of time together. We've got to get along. And the culture is really important. And so you don't put yourself into a culture where you don't fit in thinking, I'll make myself fit in, right? Yeah. You know, you want to f- go someplace where you're celebrated, not tolerated. Mmm. God, you say all the right sound bites. Yes. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a good one because, yeah, you don't be just tolerated. Right. That's in not a, good. In any relationship, personal or right. business. Right. That's not good. And the whole concept now of we are one person when we're at work and we're another person when we're not at work is completely going away. Yeah, that's right. right. Especially with the new generation of yeah. uh, millennials and the whole we work, you know, shared workspace, shared living space. It's all just... Incestuous. Merged. <laughs> yeah, you said a different word than I did, incestuous. No, but I mean, well, I'm going to ask you about that okay, because I come from I come from Gen X. Um, the millennials, there's a, they have a different way of doing things. Mm-hmm. So how's this book written? You know, how are you receiving, how are you teaching millennials how? Because they have a whole different you right. know, mindset than some of us do who are older. Well, it doesn't matter which age you are. That's the beauty of storytelling. Okay. Because it's been around forever. Okay. That everybody needs to become a storyteller so that they can okay. compel whoever they're talking to of any generation, younger, older, same age. It's all the same because we're wired. Our brain is wired to crave and remember stories. Mm. We want to be taken on that journey. Okay. So it doesn't matter how old you are. Everyone needs to learn how to become a storyteller. And the sooner you do it, the more successful you are. But I know for some people, the learning curve, I know for my generation, it was very much you work very hard, mm. you put in the years, mm-hmm. and then the rewards will come. Where I know many of the millennials are like, I should be able to get it now. If I put mm. in the work now, it should be fine now. They're like, it's, a, it's, a, it's a short attention span, so how do you navigate through that? Just by saying, here are the basics. It's storytelling, it's why. I mean, you, you go back to that. Just like, that's, that's the answer to everything. And it really is the answer to everything. And mm. because you'll tell stories of someone who didn't have patience, and now they do. Oh, there you go. Right. <laughs> you, you, you spun it around on me. I love it. That's, that's true. That's 
that's very true, right? You can say, okay, I'm, I'm a millennial, and and I thought you just get in and just I would get, and now I know differently. And then you tell a story, and then they get they get the pitch, right? Works. Because you're probably attached to those results. Yes, really, the outcome has to be. I need to be at this stage in my life, or I'm not going to be happy unless mm. I've got a VP title or whatever you're going yeah. for. Or I made this much money by this age. I'm a complete failure, right? It's all or nothing thinking. So I work with people to realize. When you put that kind of pressure on yourself, it's just like an actor saying, I have to win the Academy yeah. Award. Yeah. It's, it, you're not going to do your best. Your motivation has to be more than just making money. That part's very true also. Mm-hmm. Right, we got to get out of the whole money thing. The money will come if you're doing what you love and you believe in your product. Yes. It will come. Just that you have to kind of get out of this. I know we some of us have hard lives and are working things out. But if you choose this lifestyle, you choose, there's things you have to kind of, just kind of go with and... Well, the irony is, you know, the illusion of security yeah. by having a nine-to-five job. Yeah, that's true, too. Right? And everyone's getting... Then you just live in fear of being laid off all the time. That's true. So you can live a fear-based life whether you're working for a company or working for yourself. It's your choice whether you decide to, sh- you know, flip that script and say, I'm giving up worry. That's no yeah. longer part of my DNA. It doesn't serve me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, anticipating what could go wrong is not the way... I, ant- I want to anticipate what could go right. I'm glad you said that because I tell people all the time, stop saying, well, what if it, this doesn't work out? Well, what if it does? Mm-hmm. I say it all the time. It's like, it sounds cliche in a way when you say it, but I'm like, no, it's the truth. Well, what if it does work out? What if you do? What if this does happen the way you want it to? What if, what if you are successful? And it's, I always hear the opposite. I'm mm-hmm. like, well, think of the, I'm not being a Pollyanna. I'm just saying, yeah. what if it does work out? Well, I tell people, think of yourself as the movie director of your own life, right? You're the star of your yeah. own movie, your own life. And if you see something you don't like that's not working, just go cut. Right. You know? Uh, you know whether it's a thought, a person, a situation. I like that. And then you are in charge of directing your own movie, and you are the writer of that movie. And you decide: I'm going to imagine this character having a really easy and happy life, or I'm going to imagine. You know, it goes back to what Einstein said: you either believe that the world is a safe, friendly mm-hmm. place, or not. And right. from there, everything else, the decisions come. I could talk to him for the rest of the day, but obviously we can't. You are just the best. Thank you, James. His book is called The Successful Pitch, Conversations from Going from Invisible to Investable. John Live say, you need to get this book. I'm going to keep showing this over and over again. Ron, get it. It's so good. I've learned so much reading this book and talking to you today. The learning never stops. It should never stop. And I'm so glad you took the time to come in. And oh, it's my pleasure. You. I love being on your show. It was my my, my pleasure. Success. Now, in that camera over there, can you tell me where they can find you if they want to talk to you? Sure. Um, my website is John Livesey, L-I-V as in Victor, E-S-A-Y dot com. On Twitter, I'm at John underscore Livesey. You can Google the Pitch Whisperer if you don't want to remember my <laughs> name. And that'll come up. The Successful Pitch is the name of the book and my podcast. Yes, I mean you just please. You, you want to talk to him? Talk to him. He's 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 so good. This book is so good, and I recommend it for everybody who's in business or just in life. I think even if you're in life, read it. I think it's a, it's a good life lesson. Great. I think it's, it's, it goes it goes for everybody. Uh, of course, you can follow me at James Lodge Jr. on all social media platforms. Just Google my name, and it'll it'll come up. Trust me. And this is on Bookstuck Online, so you can go to iTunes, you can go to YouTube, subscribe. Comment, rate, tell us what you think. I mean, give me comments, and if you have any comments for him, I'll pass them on to him too. And go there, and you can find us under Bookstore Online, and this interview will be there. So I'm so glad you guys can join us today, and I will see you next time. From managing editor Jason Scomata, executive producers Maria Menunos, Phil Svitek, and Kevin Undergaro, we would like to thank you for tuning in to Book Circle Online. For more discussion, go to bookcircleonline.com. And if you have comments, questions, or book title suggestions, write us at info at bookcircleonline.com. 
I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this is Book Circle Online. BCO, join the circle.